0: Oh my gosh, it's a good day. It's like the most delicious vegan burrito of a day.
1: You know, I haven't
0: had a vegan
1: burrito in a while. I'm Dustin Harder, and this is Keep On Cooking. Hello, and welcome to Keep On Cooking, the podcast dedicated to plant-based cookbooks and learning more about the authors who wrote those cookbooks. David's dancing. <sighs> I'm just an ordinary person with an extraordinary dream. Your host, Dustin Harder. I'm here, as always, with the man who can change your pessimistic thoughts into optimistic ones with a time step and a tip of his hat, my <laughs> husband, <laughs> Mr. Rossetti.
0: <laughs> um, well, hey, hello. That is quite a, quite an intro.
1: Hi, hi, hi. Hi, 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 hi. Uh, so we're here. We got through election week. Whew. And we did it. <laughs> yes, yes. And since we did it. We did it. We did it. And since the election is all the world has on their minds, let's give you something else, dear listeners, to think about.
0: The ketogenic diet. That's what diet, I would like to give diet, you to <laughs> diet, diet. Keto Ketogenic diet, diet diet. More
1: specifically, the Vegan Ketogenic Diet Ooh. Cookbook. 75 Satisfying High-Fat, Low-Carb, Dairy-Free Recipes.
0: Did you know anything about keto before you did this interview? No, I feel did, like No, did you? I mean I mean I feel like it's like one of like the hot newish things. I feel like Emily and Kevin go on that. Our dear friends Emily and Kevin. Um I think they, they also do, go do on the that. whole 30, don't they? That's what I'm so maybe that's the, uh, that's what I'm thinking of but keto I feel like has been hot over the last like five ooh, years. Oh, it's
1: hot. Oh, honey, ooh. you want to twist? Ooh, you want to twist with that? It's so hot. No, I didn't know about it at all. I'm actually very lackluster personally when it comes to interest in diets that are geared specifically towards one type of eating, uh, which is why I wanted to do this interview. We talk a lot on this podcast just about food, great recipes that are veganized versions of things we have had before and uh, before we went vegan that we turned vegan. But now we're starting to expand a bit.
0: Yeah, and I, I think it's cool for us to kind of widen the perspective for the listeners, you know, and for ourselves. Sure. Um, there might be somebody listening who is wondering how they can do a keto diet as a vegan. And or, yeah. Not that it has to be like forever. But, like, it's nice to kind of have that in the arsenal.
1: Sure. And they may just be wondering what keto was. I know I certainly am. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm excited to sort of dive in, get to know a little bit more.
0: And your guest is just so lovely, uh, Whitney Lortzen, uh She co-wrote the book with Nicole Dursway.
1: Yes, and selfishly I also had her on because I'm just a big fan. She is the co-host of the podcast. This might get uncomfortable with Jason Robel. You all know our friend of the pod. Dear friend of the pod. He was on episode seven talking about his book Eternity, and I just store them both. I think we referenced Jason a couple times in this interview. I I met Whitney briefly at one of the natural food expos. And I remember being sort of taken back by her and uh, like in a good way, she was just gorgeous, but not just in appearance. She had a very radiant energy. And so I was, I was excited to get her on and chat with her about the book, the vegan ketogenic diet cookbook, but then also just get to know her some more because she is such a positive influence in the vegan community.
0: Yeah, so let's uh, let's introduce her a bit, shall we? Uh, Whitney Lauritsen is a well-being coach, uh, podcast host, and success strategist. Uh, she founded Eco Vegan Gal in 2008 to share lifestyle practices and product recommendations that improve the quality of body, mind, and planet. Uh, her books include The Vegan Ketogenic Diet Cookbook and Healthy Organic Vegan on a Budget. As an advocate for high performance living and mental health, Whitney's launched Well evator and the podcast, This Might Get Uncomfortable. The podcast episodes and online training programs help people elevate their well-being to feel more joyful, vibrant, connected, and fulfilled. Whitney has run numerous wellness
1: industry events at YouTube Space and the Natural Products Expo. Media appearances include Stossel, HuffPost Live, and the Ultimate Health Podcast. Whitney has contributed to Forks Over Knives, VegNews Magazine, Simple Habit, New Hope Network, iHerb, and Organic Authority. She has spoken at many conferences, summits, and festivals such as Bonnaroo, Fitness Magazine, VidCon, Podcast Movement, and Blog Her Food. In 2014, she received the Ed Begley Jr. Environmental Activist Award. Yeah! Award winner! Oh, she feels. Whitney minored in psychology while studying film production at Emerson College. She also took classes at NYU Tisch School of the Arts and Boston College. Her short films were broadcast on hbo and part of steven spielberg's reality competition on the lot before pivoting her career to content creation she worked as a mentor at the Cannes film festival managed an acclaimed production office and assisted rob reiner's family yes Ooh. she's that girl that's a, li-
0: that's a yeah, bio she's, she's pretty she's
1: pretty amazing a resident of los angeles whitney spends her free time mastering coffee techniques and going on adventures with her jack russell terrier evie please welcome to the podcast the stunning and glorious Whitney Lawrence. okay let's get into it girl. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'm here with Whitney Lawrenson everybody eco-vegan gal how you doing I'm doing well. Fantastic. How are you? You know, I'm hanging in. We're all hanging in, right? <laughs> yep. Oh, well, we have our icebreaker question to start things off here. And I ask you, Whitney, what scene in a movie always gives you goosebumps or give you all of the feels every time you watch it?
2: You know, because you asked me this question in advance, which I'm really grateful for, <laughs> because, man, if I'd been put on the spot, I probably would have gone with something a little cliche, like sure. up because I oh, love the, the opening but, scene of Oh, Up. I
1: love it. That's great.
2: <laughs> um, but I did give it some more thought, and we're recording this in uh, early June, and uh, I w- watched a movie for the first time called Just Mercy, which was a really emotional movie. And, and the scene that gives me goosebumps, I actually cannot say too many details, because it's a bit of a spoiler. Okay. But I would okay. say it's like halfway to midway through, there's a turning point, and it was heartbreaking, and it got me to think about a lot. And then I also just similarly rewatched the series when they see us on Netflix, and almost the entire series gave me goosebumps because it was so well directed and such an important uh, piece of work to see because. It's about the American, you know, both are about the American justice system and racism and reminding us that we can't be ignorant about these things and we have to watch them. It's actually similar to in some ways to me, like veganism. You know, anytime Mm -hmm. I watch a new vegan documentary, I'm reminded of of you know the realities and as the director of when they see us said we can't change what we don't know and so we have to watch these things and stay informed and and choose not to be ignorant so that we can make a difference and so all of that stuff gives me goosebumps because it's real yeah you know yeah
1: and that's absolutely correct the best way to say it too we can't change what we don't know and that's Mm -hmm. why we need to be doing the work yeah. Um, I'm re- I wrote both of those down. It's just mercy everybody and when they see us both on Netflix. Oh my
2: gosh. Have you you haven't seen either haven't of them? I haven't seen
1: either of them no. Wow. Mm-hmm.
2: I mean yeah. in this time that we're recording. <laughs> yeah. When
1: yeah. when
2: they see us, I mean I it's just even the second time around is just unbe- it's incredibly well done as a movie. I there's mean, a series. It feels like a movie. But when you just Tune in over and over that it actually happened is actually very um, accurate because the director worked with the people that the the show is based on. It's right. it's heart wrenching that all of that actually happened and in, in just about thirty years ago. So. Wow. It's a big reality check.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, now on my list. My list is getting longer and longer as it I should. Bet. So I'll just be ticking it off as we go along here. My Mine's a little more basic. The movie. Did you ever see the movie Boys on the Side?
2: I did. I haven't seen that in a while either. That'd so, be good to revisit.
1: Oh, well, there's that scene at the end. Where well, I don't I guess I don't want to spoiler alert about but it's like, y'all the movie is like thirty <laughs> years old, so um it's it, the scene at the end well, I'll just say this where Wolfie Goldberg is singing to Mary Louise Parker. I can say that, but okay. um every single time I become a blubbering baby, like just oh. a hot mess. It's one of those movies I put in if I know I need a good cry so
2: oh, see, and that's how I feel about up. I could just watch the see? the first ten minutes of up and and cry like a baby and
1: get it out and those are those yeah
2: we need things like
1: that to watch. <laughs> be like oh my god i feel it pent up okay i'll watch this i'll be good, I'll be good. <laughs> yeah. all right well i know eco vegan gal was founded in 2008 and uh, mm-hmm. we'll get around to talking about that but before we do that let's go back a bit you know how was childhood for you were you always living as the eco vegan gal since you were a baby gal or when did it start for you
2: mm-hmm. well i grew up on a small farm and not like a traditional dairy farmer like we weren't using animals for for like agriculture or anything um just horses and my my mother actually is in the horse business and it's been interesting too examining that as I get older because you know you grow grow up with something and you think it's normal and um right I was surrounded by horses that were being ridden and and used for competition and all that and then in addition to horses, did you ride
1: horses and compete
2: I did for a little bit but it was never a passion of mine sure. actually. It was something I felt like I did because my family did it, but I aside from really enjoying the animals and that bonding experience, it wasn't like something I
1: I really liked. Right. <laughs> right. And you're like and now I see why it all made sense yeah, eventually.
2: Exactly. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the influence of those animals that I was exposed to. I mean, Because we had the space and I grew up in Massachusetts, we had um, acres of land and a barn and all that. And my mom loves animals so much that anytime I wanted an animal, it was basically yes. So Uh. we had geese and chickens and a rabbit at one point and multiple dogs and cats and fish. And oh, most most, uh, rare, unique animals we had were, were turkeys and all purely as pets. So we had two turkeys and they actually were the part of the awakening that I had as a young girl. And my mother decided that we weren't going to have turkey to eat on Thanksgiving because of these animals. And so that was me kind of starting to realize the, the impact and the realities of what I was eating. Funny enough, we did not do that with chickens, though. I mean, my family. Interesting, right?
1: That's (laughs) so interesting.
2: I know. We had amazing pet chickens, but we continued to eat chicken meat. Actually, looking back on them, I'm like, that's really interesting. We had ducks at one point. We probably ate duck. But for some reason, the turkeys were a defining point for my family. And so interesting, um, though,
1: what the brain does with that. That's so right.
2: Yeah, I think it's because I we didn't really eat turkey that often except for Thanksgiving, so it was so easy. But chicken, sure. maybe. And, but it's funny, also. I don't really remember eating meat because it's been so long. I went vegetarian and vegan in two thousand three, and okay, it just feels like another lifetime. So <laughs> I can't even relate to what that was like.
1: Well, and was that when you went very vegetarian and vegan? Then were you still there on the farm? The turkey was the no. T- or was that earlier on that the turkey? That was turkey earlier
2: was- on. I can't. You know when. One- I want to say maybe I was around 10 years old or okay. something when when we had the turkey. Uh, I was in college and there was a, a guy that I had a crush on that had been vegetarian his entire life and then went vegan. And then I think my mindset was, well, maybe if I eat vegetarian, that he'll like me back. Or, you know, it was like one of those sure. sort, sort of <laughs> things.
1: Uh, check yes but, or no. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but uh, it ended up changing my whole life, of course, and That's really had nothing to do with him, although we stayed friends for many years. And um, he still does a lot of work in the vegan activism world. So That's great. yeah. Um, well, does so that answer your question about my childhood?
1: Yeah, I was kind of curious where it started, <laughs> what happened, and then of course, yeah. like I said, Eco Vegan Girl started in 2008. It's an online empowerment resource for people curious about how to be better to their bodies and the planet. Now we're going to move into cookbook land. We're going to get into this cookbook here. Before we talk about your current cookbook, the vegan, it's ketogenic, correct? Is that how I yep. say it? Okay, the vegan yep, ketogenic right. diet. But first, let me ask you, what was the first vegan cookbook you ever owned?
2: Ooh. Hmm, I haven't thought about this. I remember <laughs> I remember getting books from the library when I was in my first vegetarian phase and then vegan. Gosh.
1: It's my that's favorite so question. Interesting.
2: Wow, I'm sitting here racking my brain and <laughs>
1: I guess the first one I you mean, can remember, I went, maybe.
2: Right. Well, I remember my dad gifting me some books, and now I'm trying to place, like, when was that? Because I went through a few different phases, so it, it depends. Like, I, I had a number of raw food cookbooks, or they weren't technically cookbooks, they were just uh, raw food recipe books, and I got I got into raw food in 2005, I think. Okay. So a few years after, I remember my dad bought me Revolution.
1: All right. And, and that, that one orange. I
2: still have... It's great recipes in there because yeah. they're very simple. And the the authors of that book had a restaurant in Los Angeles with really great food. And um, that one just comes to mind because I still have it. And then I had like a bunch of random ones that maybe didn't make as much of an impact. But for me, I was really drawn to simple books with with pretty images in them. And that one's <laughs> really nice, actually. It's a really understated book I feel like there's a lot of famous books out there you know related to veganism you think of like Issa's book collection I feel like a lot of people back then were you know she was like the queen of veganism at the time I felt like and 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 things have changed so much in 2003 I remember I, I did get a lot of recipes online even back then before social media and um you know, blogging was was having its uprise back in in 2003 and right. i would just go on the web and try to find things because i was also in college and didn't have like a lot of money so I would, um, I think, just try to get as much free information as I could about it. I have to say, like, I ate a ton of processed food back then. Sure. I I probably wasn't making that much. I think I was like buying whatever microwavable vegan food I could get. Which was not much
1: back then. So (laughs) glad. It was
2: like Morningstar and Garden Burger. Yep. Yep. Uh, It was uh, always an interesting adventure. And then trying to figure out if I could ever eat pizza again, because in, uh-huh. in 2003 and 2004, we barely had any vegan cheese. And right. I, I was thinking about this the other day, like how
1: far we've come. We've come in the so vegan cheese world. far, so far. And that day when it was for, I went vegan in 2009 and somebody was like, uh, or I read it in the book, skinny bitch. And they were like,
0: yeah,
1: cheese. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to make enchiladas. And it was like my first month being vegan. I, almost vomited i was like oh yep. my god and but now to everyone listening i will say even Daya's come a long way like they've changed their yep. formula so like things keep progressing and changing so if oh for sure and now we have veganism. like
2: more vegan cheese options
1: than you know what to do oh, with oh and, my goodness it's amazing
2: yeah it's it's really it's fascinating and I'm, I'm glad that you brought up skinny bitch too because i remember that that book being in its heyday and and um It was such a big deal.
1: Oh, well, and (laughs) the thing I loved about it it actually inspired a lot of what I did because it was the first thing that resonated with me where I really was able to connect with it because it made me laugh. It made me think. It made me cry. But it also like it just entertained me all the way through. So I was like, oh, I'm getting educated, but I'm also entertained. So that's clearly how I take in information. So how can I try and create that for other people?
2: It was and it's a cool book too because I actually first heard about it from a non-vegan who bought the book, not realizing that it was about veganism. Right. She just thought it was skinny. like yep. exactly. Mm. And she loved the title and the artwork and all of that. And and so I remember her either like giving it to me or recommending it to me. She's like, Oh, I think you'd like this. I had no idea it was gonna be a vegan book. And, right. and then it just exploded and Popularity.
1: Well, and I actually got so they're skinny bitch, and then I read skinny bastard. So they did yes, like that. Yeah,
2: uh, isn't it fascinating too? Just to watch all the different people that have come in and out of the movement. Some people that have been in the movement for a long time. Sure. All the different evolutions we've been on over that time—it's fascinating. Yeah,
1: it really, really is, and it's um and cool to see how uh, enthusiastic people continue to get. I forget. I forget sometimes that everyone just isn't vegan. So when someone comes yeah. to me and they're like, "How do I do this?" I'm like, "Oh, that's right. That's why I'm here. How can I help you?" You know what I mean? Yes. Cuz I do forget that like the newbie is looking to us for that information. That's why we exist. That's why we do what we do, you know? And it's um sometimes I get a, I have to remind myself. I have to be like, "Okay, rewind back to day 1 when you were doing basics. How can you help this person?" You know? Yes.
2: Oh, for I I feel the same way and it's it's always an interesting process of trying to figure out how to support people without yep. like overwhelming them and exactly, all that, you know, exactly.
1: Mm-hmm. Cause there's so much available now. and
2: uh, yeah, that's true with a lot of things I teach is I, you know, you have to always have that beginner's mind with things, whether it's social media I'm supporting people with and, and that's constantly changing too, you know, and there's a lot of things we can assume people know about how to do something, but Somebody might just be a complete newbie and and need you to start at square one with them.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And then you just press rewind and you do it. Yep, Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and now you're helping people with the Vegan Ketogenic Diet Cookbook. You co-wrote this with, uh, is it Nicole Durswith? Is that how you say it?
2: Nicole Dursway, yeah.
1: Dursway. And um, before we dive in, I purposefully did not, of course, I've heard keto before, but I did not dive into what a ketogenic diet is. Can you tell everyone what a ketogenic diet is?
2: Traditionally, it is basically a low carb, high fat way of eating. And it's It's so fascinating because a lot of people think that like vegan and keto are polar opposites, but you can eat a fully plant based ketogenic diet and that puts your body into a state of metabolism to help you burn fat for fuel versus sugar for fuel, which a lot of people uh, oh, do you yeah. know our our diets tend to be very heavy in carbs, just kind of based on our food system, so if you put some effort into it, you can reduce the amount of carbohydrates that you eat. It's not a zero carbohydrate diet. And uh, it's also moderate protein. So low carbs, moderate protein, high fat. And, and- I, I was just so fascinated when I learned that you could do it as a vegan. And then I got really into it for Six months to a year, and it's something that still has a thread through in my life, even though I'm not doing it as much personally. Well, when but it was had a that? really big impact? What's when, that?
1: When was that that you initially got into it?
2: I got into it in it was it was summer 2018. It might have okay. been. It was like end of July, early August. I was really struggling with my weight at that time, and and it just like crept up on me and. I was just feeling really uncomfortable in my body and I've struggled with my weight a lot throughout my life and gone through all different phases of trying to figure out how can I eat and live in a way that feels really balanced and nourished sure. and where I just feel really good and confident in my skin you know regardless right. of actually how much I weigh I right. just wasn't feeling good you know and I I didn't feel like I was looking my best and And so I heard a lot about keto, which has been a big trend in the weight loss world. And so I was really curious if it could be done vegan and just tried it out out of curiosity. And similar to when I went vegetarian and vegan, it was just a curiosity thing. And it really resonated with me. I I felt really good. And I have done the complete opposite of doing 80-10-10, which is the high-carb, low-fat diet. And I felt good on that too, but it didn't feel sustainable. I, I think I was only doing 80-10-10 for a few months. And then I just, I, I'm not somebody that loves fruit. <laughs> you know, like a lot of people that are yeah, yeah. the fruitarian or something, they could just, oh, they're my just goodness. thrilled with it. Where actually through the keto diet, I found I actually much prefer savory, higher fat foods than I do sugary foods. I I enjoy sweet potatoes, but I'm not. Some people are just obsessed with sweet potatoes or watermelon or mangoes or any of these like really carb rich foods. And aside from potatoes, like regular potatoes, I've always been a huge like fry fan. (laughs) Sure, but I I tend to overdo it, and I think that hasn't been great for my body in a lot of ways. And I was also eating a lot of processed foods, and I've I've just I think that's ultimately the a huge challenge for a lot of us especially right now during covid i mean i'll be honest like i certainly was eating my feelings in a lot of ways sure and gravitating towards more convenient processed foods because it's nice when you don't have to think about it and you can throw something pre-made into the microwave or heat it up on the stove or just grab a bag of chips and and um for many of us, just the emotional side or the convenient side of things can be very tempting. And I think it's hard to just, it's really hard to know if going vegan keto was specifically around keto, if it was a combination of doing that plus really paying attention to the foods that I was eating and eating less processed foods. There are more and more vegan keto packaged foods coming out. So it's, it's, you know easier to eat a more processed vegan keto diet but at the time there wasn't much available so i was making right. most things myself and i think that really helps your health you know when you're when you're really paying attention to the ingredients that you're consuming
1: i know for myself and maybe it, i think it happens for a lot of people but when i first went vegan there was that excitement in Oh well, no. I'm gonna make a vegan mac and cheese, and I'm gonna make <laughs> vegan pizza, and I'm gonna make a huge vegan burger. And I think now the opportunity and the availability to do that for new vegans is even more. Um, mm-hmm. And I think people do get caught up in that. And that's a very—it's a hard diet when you do that. It's not good for your body. Like it's great that we have these foods as transitions, you know. But it's easy to get caught up in sort of like, well, that's my new diet. And some people do it. And some—I'm and, um, no judgment. Live your life and do whatever you got to do. But it is hard for me personally, like on my system, when I'm eating all of those foods, the processed foods and stuff like oh,
2: that. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's true, as I mentioned, even, even with uh, keto, I don't know so much with, with like 80-10-10, if there's a lot of like processed things that are available. I always associate that with such as maybe it's more like the fruit fruitarian diet just feels <laughs> so like... Simple because a lot of people are just eating simple. Foods, I had like a,
1: fruits and all that. I had a girl that would come into culinary school when I was in it, and she would bring in a bag of mandarin oranges every morning and <laughs> eat that through. And we we would watch her just like eat the whole bag. and We were like, "What is she doing? What is going on?" It's in amazing. That corner? I
2: know. I know people like that too. I, I have this vivid memory of of um, Robbie Barbero, who's done a lot of great work in in veganism for diabetes, and um, he's. I think I assume he still is. 80 10 10 and i remember him coming to a party once and he brought this like huge bowl of salad because he knew there wouldn't be anything (laughs) for him to eat and he's just standing there in the middle of the party eating this massive salad while everybody's snacking on chips and all that and the visual and uh i'm also good friends with christina from fully raw yep and she I've been to a number of restaurants with her. She's eats a raw food diet, of course. And she that girl has a big appetite, you know. And <laughs> it's fun yeah. though, because the food always looks so beautiful and you're just having all this abundance and it, it's wonderful, you know. I'm I guess it'd just be so interesting to see if, if if the food industry has found a way to package all of that. I'm not so sure, aside from package like salads. But yeah, it's it's interesting because. I I get very drawn into the vegan meat alternatives. Mm-hmm. I really love what Beyond Meat mm-hmm. is doing. Sure, but I have to reel myself in because just just because something's vegan and 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 Beyond Meat actually t- happens to be keto as well. When I found out that I could eat Beyond Burgers on the keto diet, I was like, uh, "This uh, is great!" I mean, and then I found myself wanting to eat burgers all the time, yeah, you know, lettuce exactly. wrapped burgers, sure. and and then my digestion was always happy about that. Right. So have to keep myself in check but I could live off of food bars you know there's sure. a incredible vegan keto food bar that literally if thank goodness it's kind of on the expensive side and not that easy to find but if it was a little less expensive and at every store i I would eat that 90 percent of my diet every day. You're it's talking so like good. a
1: food bar where you go up and you make your own sort of like to go plate, right? No, I'm talking. <laughs> or like I a food bar, like like a pro, like a like a, a protein like a bar. bar yeah. There we yep, go. Well, that's yep. what I initially thought, but then suddenly I was like, wait, is she talking about going and making like a plate of veggies at like no, Whole Foods? That
2: or? now that actually would be a much better way to eat. No, I'm talking <laughs> like like a packaged uh, snack. I got you. Uh, I got you. And man, that is my kryptonite. I, I, I have understand. to actually choose not to eat them. And it inspired me to get a food safe. Do you know about these? No, what is that? So there's this really cool company called K-Safe. It stands for Kitchen Safe. And they make these containers that you can put food or anything into and set a timer (gasps) so that you don't eat it all. (laughs) <laughs> and that was my inspiration because I would buy these bars whenever they were on sale and I could I would just eat like sure. three a day because I, I didn't totally want to eat understand. anything else. So I actually had to find a way to either just not buy them or buy them in bulk so I could save some money and then literally lock them up so that I wouldn't eat them all in one sitting.
1: Wow, I get that though. It's, it's <laughs> uh, I totally understand. There's
2: certain foods that, you know, they're... I think the cool thing about the keto diet is a lot of us really do want to have more fat. I mean, it's very satisfying and um, it just hits the spot in a lot of ways. So things like nuts, you know, like they're so satisfying to enjoy because you're filling your body up with all, you know,
1: well, that's all of that, all those
2: calories,
1: you know? Yeah. With this, with the ketogenic diet, then what are like nuts? What, what types of foods and ingredients (laughs) do we consume on a ketogenic diet?
2: Well, luckily, a lot of vegetables are low-carb, so I would eat a lot of salads, I'd make various soups sometimes, uh, a lot of different veggie bowls, and uh, the cauliflower is a huge staple of the keto diet, so you can make cauliflower rice, and I love making uh, baked or air-fried cauliflower is Mm, one of my favorite things to do, kale chips, that sort of thing, and then nuts, yes. Um, seeds, of course. And I mean, it, it was basically like fruit was the big no-no. Although you can't have berries. Berries are low in sugar and carbohydrates. Huh. So I blueberries and raspberries and strawberries. And so that was satisfying. Citrus tends to be lower in sugar, to, you know, like lemon and lime. Grapefruit is higher. Um, and so it was like going through the, the food list and figuring out those things and how can I add as much variety into my diet as possible, you know. And I was tracking the macros, the carbs, protein and fat for a little while. And then you just kind of have this intuitive feel about it. And then I try not to get too in my head, you sure. know, it's sure. like I'm not going to, um, put my mental health that's at stake here. I, I'm really passionate about the holistic viewpoint. You sure. want to feel your best physically, mentally, and emotionally. So, you know, if you want to eat something like again, these days I'm not on the keto diet. I, I keep it in mind because I feel better, as I said, but You know, if I want to have a sweet potato, I have a sweet potato. It's 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 not—it's just like what I'm feeling. Yeah. 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 But when I was doing a strict keto diet, I was very mindful about all those things, and um, it's tough because sugar is very appealing, just like fat. I mean, I I think they're both at opposite ends of the spectrum. Like fat's very appealing, sugar is appealing, salt. That's why there's uh also the the salt oil and sugar free diet that's very popular. It's it's kind of like an addiction, you know, all those foods they They hit our brains in a in a way that can make us out of control, and I think for me, the keto diet was a good way of me um kind of reining myself in and being paying close attention to where my addictions were. To certain
1: foods. And did you did you find that you sorted it out and in, in in doing a ketogenic diet and sort of were able to pinpoint where things were heavier than others that you had addictive thing, uh addictive uh, geared towards addictively when it comes to food?
2: I mean, yeah, I certainly sugar is where I go wild. And I'm talking about processed sugar
1: right.
2: because of course like fruits have so many nutritional benefits to them and again, I'm lucky in that I don't get that excited about fruit. For me, it's the processed sugar where I go wild over. And so I've known this for many years and it's, it's been an ongoing thing for me to be very mindful of it. And, you know, during, during COVID and, and, the physical distancing and quarantine and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. I've been eating a lot more sugar and I don't feel good,
1: Right, but
2: I'm in an addictive pattern. Even as we speak right now, I'm really, I'm really trying to be mindful of, but it's tough when, when, uh, some of those foods are just, they hit you emotionally and they were very soothing and convenient. and, And you think, oh, it's okay. I'll have this. But then like, we've been, in uh, the quarantine period, you know, home isolation for months. And you start to think, you know what? I need to, I need to like get off the processed food pattern and start to make more recipes at home. And um, yeah, for me, the sugar is a big thing. I think that was another reason why the keto diet felt so good is once I was able to cut out the processed sugar, and focus on the benefits of some lower carb foods, I felt really good and I felt more balanced. So even though it sounds so restrictive, it's, you know, a lot of people associate it with just like what you're taking away. But when you do a a plant-based keto diet, you're actually consuming a lot of really great nutritious food and if you want to add in some higher carb foods, like do that for yourself. Like right. it's it's like we were saying earlier, you got to figure out what works for you. And I didn't like write a book or I don't, I'm not an advocate for vegan keto as like the only way to do sure. something. I wrote my book because I wanted to show people that vegan keto was possible because there's only a few books about it out there. Um, but it, it, I think it needs more awareness because a lot of people want to do keto and then they end up eating all these animal products. Right. And, or they, you know, keto people want to go and shame vegans. They're like, keto's the uh, way, vegan's uh, awful. And I'm like, you gosh. know, you can do both, right? Like, uh, you, you don't have to eat animals to eat a keto diet. And I thought that was an important message to get out there.
1: Well, you do in this book it is it's very accessible, it's very easy to follow and you you give uh you know, it's step by step for people from the beginning of how to get prepared and how to get cooking and what they should be eating. But was there a chapter in terms of like, you know, the chapters tend to go by it's the traditional way. We've got breakfast chapters, a main dishes mm-hmm. chapter, a desserts chapter, snacks and all that good stuff. But Was there in the ketogenic diet when writing this book a chapter that you found most challenging in terms of a ketogenic diet? Ooh, that's
2: a good question. Oh, hey, thanks. I feel like (laughs) the book's just slightly out of reach. I'd have to uh, flip through it. I I didn't feel like any of it was. Trying to think. I mean, it was interesting because Nicole, who co-authored it with me, she did all the recipes, and I brought her on board because I'm not a chef and recipes are not my passion. And Nicole and I have been friends for years and she's like this bubbly, sweet, passionate person who is really creative in the kitchen. And so it, it was just so interesting. Like she developed almost everything on her own, we worked on the meal plan together. And uh, I think like putting together the shopping list, like just trying to make it very affordable and accessible. And and just trying to break it down because Nicole has a tendency to want to make like really gourmet, intricate dishes. Sure. So it was like, how can we make this easy for people? For the home
1: cook, it's the hardest part. Yeah, Yeah, that's
2: that's. I mean, and I'm one of those people that when I see a recipe, I get intimidated if there's a long list of ingredients, long many steps, and so I think it was being mindful of that. I want to appeal to somebody like me, who's like, how can I make something quickly and easily and grab a few things at the store? And sometimes it's complicated when you're trying to make a, a recipe taste really good. Yeah, you know, absolutely.
1: How it is. It, it's very, <laughs> um, in my, I'm, I just finished my third book and in writing them, it's, it's very, uh, especially as I've moved along in my culinary journey and I am a chef now and I, it, I, I have to step back and go, okay, but take it back 10 years when you first started doing this, like what appealed to you and what, how were you able to do this? Like, how can I make it as easy as possible? You know?
0: Um, Mm -hmm. And I,
1: and you guys definitely do it with this book. And that's one of the things I love um, about the Rockridge press that it's on is they really are great at um, picking authors that they know can give people digestible information. Um yes. and this book is full of it. Um how in co-authoring though, when you guys are talking about recipes and the meal plans and all that, was it was it pretty peaceful? Or are there some things you had to like go to battle for Were you like, no, no, this must be this way, or did you guys agree pretty much the whole time, or how'd that go down? Give us some drama.
2: <laughs> uh you know, I'm trying I mean I think the only drama, if there was any, there is a couple instances of just like meeting deadlines sometimes is tough, you know, and communication is is challenging at times. And for better or for worse, sometimes when you work with your friends, I feel like you'd think it'd be really easy because you know each other well, but it's, it's tough sometimes. Sometimes when you know each other really well, then it actually makes it harder because you think you can get away with things right (laughs) sure yeah so i think i think that was the challenge for us during the writing process of just making sure that both of us were communicating clearly and Meeting our deadlines. Um, in terms of the actual content, I know there was just some, some debate over the titles of the book, or titles of the recipe, I mean, and that actually was a big learning point for me. I shared this in a recent episode. Well, it depends when you listen to this uh, <laughs> re- interview between the two of us, but on, on my show, this might get uncomfortable. Uh, a few weeks ago in early June, I think we posted this, or late May to 2020, we did a whole episode about cultural appropriation because somebody reached out to me saying they didn't buy my book because of one of the recipe titles. Oh my goodness. And man, was that a learning lesson for me? Sure. Uh, And I, I don't remember even the process. I think Nicole named most of the recipes, but I reviewed them and so did the editors. And at the time it didn't catch anybody's eye, but one of the recipes is called a Buddha bowl. And some people find that offensive because it's it's a form of cultural appropriation. And actually, I think that's something that's shifting in the industry, being really aware of not to title a, a book, like, based on somebody else's – or title a recipe, I should say, based on somebody else's culture. And – um you know, as we were writing the book, we really wanted recipes that had cool names. Sure, of course. Right? Of course. Or names that were familiar. Like, to me, a Buddha bowl is very familiar. A lot of uh, recipes are titled that, and I've seen it in restaurants, and I, I never really thought about it as in terms of, like... Well, you, from another you've culture. seen it
1: in a lot of vegan restaurants, honey. Let me tell you right yes. now, I actually have the manuscript I just turned in. I've got a one sheet pan Buddha bowl in it, and now I'm thinking twice about that.
2: Oh, let me tell you, it's not worth it. Yeah, well,
1: I mean, I don't, I, it's not <laughs> yeah. even, I'm not like, oh my gosh, someone's gonna email me. I'm like, you're making a very but valid point now. Yes. Like, I, I'm gonna learn from the lesson that you learned. I gotta email my editor yep. after this.
2: Trust me, when I write my next book, I will be going through it with a fine tooth comb, and I, you know, going back to what we started with it's it's about education and and I try not to beat myself up because I'm learning every day you know and it's a very humbling thing when someone points out something that you say or did or wrote and how it can hurt somebody's feelings and we we have to sure. be mindful we also have to be aware that sometimes no matter how hard we try we are misinterpreted or we hit a sore spot for somebody or or don't say things in a way that we're you know aware that could offend somebody. And yeah. it's a tricky thing. So we just got to learn from it. That's all. So that that was that.
1: Learn from it and onward. And listen, I haven't had a chance to dive into this uh, very far yet. Uh, yesterday, I did make the almond and vanilla pancakes. So compliments oh. to the chef, please. They were delicious. Oh, good. Um, do you have what are some favorite of some of your favorite items from the book you can tell the listeners about?
2: Well, I really love the French onion soup. Mm. It's mm. really mm. easy to make. Mm. It tastes incredible. There's also a great coffee smoothie in there, which I didn't think too much about making until that recipe was developed for the book. And now I've made it many times.
1: Sure.
2: And actually, there's um, a really great salted caramel vegan protein powder okay. that makes your smoothies taste unbelievable. And when you combine salted caramel with coffee, it's like, if you like coffee, it's extraordinary. I'm already, I'm like
1: feverishly writing things down. I'm like, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's great.
2: So you can make that smoothie and add whatever protein powder you want. And so like it could be a vanilla or chocolate or salted caramel or, you know, there's all different flavors that you can get now from protein powder. Of course, of course. Have fun with it those those two are, come immediately to mind. I feel like there's a salad that i 'm forgetting there's um like a a bacon flavored salad and Nicole's so smart, she used a combination of crushed dried raspberries
1: oh. and then
2: smoked paprika, I think kind of gives it that smoky bacon like nice. flavor and somehow they fuse together to create this lovely salad. And so Nicole did some really cool things with her recipes. I was really pleased.
1: Well, what's some advice you would give someone trying a ketogenic vegan ketogenic diet for the first time?
2: Ooh, well, we have a little chapter on that. And let me see, like my, my first tip outside of that list is, I mean, it comes back to what I would say in general is, is to first tune into why you're doing it. And with that book, I really tried to minimize the weight side of it because I'm a really big advocate for body positivity and not trying to lose weight just because you feel like culture is pressuring you to do that. Right. And, you know, it's, it's really tough for women and for men. There's, there's a lot of pressure to be small, you know, whether <laughs> in a lot of ways in our lives, we were encouraged to be small, but I, I think weight loss is a, is a sore spot. And a lot of people go to the keto diet to lose weight. And then they eventually will gain it back because it's not sustainable for them. So I mean, the keto diet has to feel like something that's in alignment with you like it was for me. And that's why I feel like the effects of it were longer lasting. I I really, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the foods that I was eating. And I tried not to make it too much about my weight, even though that's what initially inspired me. It actually was more of a gateway, you know, became so much more than like losing weight. It became about my digestion improving and my inflammation going down and my energy increasing. And there were a lot of other benefits to keto. So if you, if you feel like it's in alignment with you, then just start to focus on the foods that you love and, and really try a variety of different things. And if you, if they bring you joy to consume, then you'll stick with something longer and, with the vegan diet in general, you know, there's a lot of exploring to do sure. and you need your taste buds will take some time to adjust. And there's just so many different options. There's different versions of practically anything. So just go down the rabbit hole if that brings you joy and find what you love and, and yeah. ultimately just give something to try.
1: I love that. I always tell people too, with a vegan diet, I say, don't give up. I'm like, if you try something and it's terrible, it's just like if you tried something non-vegan and it was terrible. Like, you just move on to the next thing. And yes. so everyone should go out and get the Vegan Ketogenic Diet Cookbook if the Vegan Ketogenic Diet is something that you're thinking is right for you by Miss Whitney Lawrenson and Nicole Dursway. And right now, my darling, I would like to ask you, this is a little something we call the book brag. Book Book brag! brag. And it's a moment for you (laughs) to just totally brag. Like, what is something that has come about from this book that you're either very proud of or you just want to brag about? Like full full reigns, no judgment. Tell us what has brought you the most joy and what you're most proud of with this book.
2: Ooh, that's a good question. I mean, I was just proud to write a book. I, it yeah. was really exciting. And I it, it, it actually felt like a manifestation in a lot of ways because just shortly before I was brought the opportunity, I was starting to think about writing my first Published book. I, I wrote an ebook in 2013. I think uh, the v- vegan. Healthy Organic Vegan on a Budget, which you can get at veganebook.com. I wrote that book, and it'd be fun to make that an actual published book at some point. Um, well, I think I, you yeah, should. Yeah, that was my first project. A
1: health, it's Healthy Organic Vegan on a Budget. And the thing that everyone always loves to say is that organic and vegan, it's so hard. People get wrapped up in the world of it being expensive. So with that book, with the healthy organic vegan on a budget, how did you sort of crack that myth of it being uh, expensive?
2: Well, I had done a project. I did a video project showing how you could eat under $5 a day total, like meaning all three all three meals, snacks, whatever, like $5 flat a day. And we did that entirely organic and it was a big experiment. So we spent like under, what is that? Like $30 a week or whatever to eat an incredible array of foods. We made this video on YouTube, and it just really inspired me, and I thought, you know what? I'll just I'll write a book about this. Also, uh, previous to that, I had my most popular YouTube video, which may still be the case. One of the most popular I've ever done was about how to eat on a budget, and I went around to different grocery stores and calculated how much it cost to eat that way, and was shocked at what I found. And so I wrote that book and published it as an ebook, and it was a it was a big daunting project, but really rewarding. People still buy it to this day. I've been working on a, a new edition of it to update it. And I um, love
1: that.
2: I thought that that would be my maybe my only book project. I didn't intend to write another book, but over the years, I've, I've grown more interested. I got the vegan ketogenic diet project based on my personal experiences, and then now I feel like. I just want to write a ton of books. It's, so. hey,
1: it's it's one of those things. If you love it, you love it, you know? Yeah. Uh, and you, clearly do and you know, by doing
2: that project, what's that?
1: I said, you clearly do have a flair for it. So it's, it's natural.
2: Yeah, I did not. It, it's honestly something I didn't even, I, I was not feeling in alignment with until sure. recently. And sure. so sometimes you, you elements of yourself get brought out through projects that you work on. And it was more enjoyable than I expected. So it's really nice. It's cool to have like an, a page on Amazon, you know, it's cool to say you're a published author, you know, it's just, it's a form of credibility and it's validating in some ways, but also like it's an accomplishment as you know. And I think to anyone listening who wants to be an author, it's, it's definitely worth pursuing. There's so many different avenues. You can self publish and be really successful You can work with a publisher. There's all different types of publishers out there. So if it's something you want to do, I think both of us would say, do it.
1: Yeah, like find find
2: your way and practice it. And and it's not that simple. It's not
1: that simple, but if you really want to do it, there's. Google, Google is an amazing thing. It's like a university, like just Google how to pitch a book or how to write a book or how to start writing. And if it's a cookbook, specifically how to pitch a cookbook. And there's so much insight you can get people are willing to give information, you know, just like Mm -hmm. you, you're out there doing the research for the people writing the budget book and writing the ketogenic book, you know, like, that's information you're giving to people. And it's out there for anyone wants to write a book. So your book brag, I mean, how did you I mean, your book brag is having written a book, but can we talk about then (laughs) when you get that book in your hands for the first time, it's such a magnificent feeling, right? Like the physical book.
2: Yeah. I, I, I remember it very distinctly because I had seen so many people I know share that moment, you Mm -hmm. know, like when they open up their book for the first time and, and I I've watched that from afar. And so having that experience myself, it was really cool. And having friends get the book from me and 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 the, just the different opportunities and and doing the the interviews and things like this it's just it's so fascinating i've i've i guess like it kind of puts me in awe sometimes and and now it's like on to the next project
1: yeah yeah, yeah right <laughs> i finished exactly. that
2: project and i'm i'm like this is really cool it's it's neat to be able to have that offering and then use that experience to segue into the next thing and, and so i'm excited to see what's next for my book writing career
1: yeah well i am too and i congratulate you on this book for sure thank you uh, and we're going to move into we're going to wrap it up with our baker's dozen of rapid fire questions are you ready? <laughs> i love this oh, yes <laughs> yeah so here we go favorite kitchen tool whoa
2: um <laughs> gosh i'm whoa. a tool geek like I literally went to well, I don't know why I just said literally, but I as if people wouldn't <laughs> believe that I did this. I went to the hardware store, literally.
1: I literally um, went I guess there.
2: Maybe these days that's kind of a important thing oh, to true, say. Maybe true. you think like you virtually went to the, to the hardware store. But I went to the hardware store a couple of days ago and I just could have spent hours there. They had this amazing kitchen gadget section. Oh my gosh. And just just so many different things. I'm someone that fantasizes about having a huge kitchen with drawers full of every gadget mm, possible. We're house hunting so, right
1: now. We're house hunting. And, and that's probably what oh you're keeping in mind, gosh. isn't it? <laughs> my sweet husband is like, when everyone's like, well, what do you want? He's like, I want the biggest kitchen ever for Dustin. And I'm like, that is why we got married. right there." He's so good. He's like, he's like, that is our number one. I'm like, I love you so much. It's great. But because yes. yeah, I want the lots same of things. drawers. Yeah, I want to be able like... to have places for stuff.
2: <laughs> you want to store all my gadgets and equipment for sure I love like the new modern kitchens like all the different bells and whistles they have and like they what's it called there's like a there's a storage a specific title for a storage for your appliances I,
1: I don't know an appliance I don't know safe, what it's called, like a food safe
2: yeah, it's not as safe, but it's along those lines of like a cubby or, or something, and it's like a way for you to hide your appliances but easily access them I love so you can all that. stay plugged in, right? Yeah. So, I mean, if I were you, I'd like map out like where all my ideal appliances would go, so I could find the perfect kitchen. Um, but to come back to that, gosh! I mean, oh yeah, your
1: favorite one. What's your favorite one, though?
2: I know this is supposed to be rapid fire. The first thing <laughs> I thought of is, I have, I, I don't know why, I just love the way it's uh, designed. But the Joseph Joseph garlic press. Oh hey! It's beautiful. I think it's stainless steel, and it's just it's it's shaped in a very unique way that makes it very enjoyable to press garlic and it scoops out it's very easy to clean and then also the stainless steel you can rub your fingers on it and it gets off the garlic smell nice So it's, it's multi-purpose
1: oh that's fantastic that is good uh, but second
2: i would say i mean the high-speed blender is also like uh, if i could only have one tool it would listen. probably be that
1: <laughs> it's so funny when people always go you know if you're doing a food presentation a demo or something they're like well do i have to have a high-speed blender and i'm like you don't I'm like, but there are some inexpensive ones out there these days, and I highly recommend it. I'm like, I'm not yes. saying everyone has to get a Vitamix. However, if you want to, like, live your best life making sauces, I do recommend a Vitamix.
2: But you can make so much in there. You can make nut milks. Oh, my you gosh, can yes. You can grind coffee. Yes. I mean, we were talking about the smoothies. You can make soups in there. I mean there's a lot that you can do with them. And that's part of why they're so great. There's
1: a, um, I had another, this rapid fire just went to shit. Um, There's a, um, we can't help it. We can't help it. There's a blender by um, the instant pot company called the Ace Nova. And it has a heater in it. So you can press a little button that says soup. It steams the vegetables and then it purees it into a soup wow and then you have a hot soup in the blender it took like 20 minutes you literally had to put broth and vegetables in and in seasoning into the blender it's insane
2: and i mean instapot has made some they now have an air fryer i yeah. think oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah. they're just they're making just... all sorts of cool tools that you want them all i mean i love my air fryer and i love the instant pot i mean
1: i just there's got, too many
2: gadgets my
1: sister got me an air fryer for christmas where i can control it from my phone i
2: heard about those those are so cool but, but are, did, is there a point like does it actually feel beneficial or is it just like a cool little feature well,
1: here's the kicker we can't figure out how to operate it manually <laughs> oh, so no. we're, we're like oh this is cool and like fandangled hey but then if i'm not home the apps on my phone my husband can't like actually oh. use it i mean he could download the app i guess but anyway anyway okay 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 next question <laughs> Cup cupcakes or donuts
2: Ooh, I really like, I really like frosting. I probably would, I probably would say cupcakes.
1: I, I, I think I'm on that team too. But, but I,
2: you know, my favorite thing to do is to cut off the bottom of the cupcake and mm. put it on top. So the frosting's in the middle, like a sandwich.
1: You should see my face. You're a genius. That's amazing. <laughs> it wasn't my idea, but I oh. try to remember
2: that anytime I have a cupcake because I, I hate that when you bite yep. into it and it's more cake than frosting and the frosting gets on your face for sure. Do the sandwich style. It's, it's so wonderful. good.
1: What topic could you give a 20 minute presentation on without any preparation? TikTok. Oh, I love it. <laughs> what's your favorite way to waste time online?
2: TikTok. I knew you were going to say it.
1: <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Uh, and you're in LA. So, what's your favorite vegan restaurant in LA?
2: Pura vita
1: Ah, and how well do you know your neighbors? Not well. Yep, me neither. Uh, actually, Dad. that has changed a little bit now that I'm in Atlanta. Anyway, this is your rapid fire, not mine. Brad <laughs> Brad Pitt or Bradley Cooper? Brad Pitt. Hot sauce or barbecue sauce? Hot sauce. Favorite ingredient to cook with? Gosh, that's a tough one.
2: I mean, my first thing that I, I was thinking was coffee.
1: <laughs> hey, that's a great ingredient to cook with.
2: I'll take that. I, the, I actually, beverages are more expensive exciting to me and I love making unique coffee. So if that counts as cooking, then I could just spend the entire day making different coffee recipes. I
1: love that. What is your favorite summer activity? Reading. Oh, good. Who is someone you admire and why?
2: I would say Ryan Tedder is my current big admiration and he is the, he's a lead singer of the band one Republic and an incredible songwriter and producer. And he has this new CBD company called mad tasty that I've gotten involved with. And I just think he is very admirable because he's an incredible artist and he's always looking for ways to help people. And he's Aww. very accessible. He shares a lot about himself and he's just doing a lot of great things. M- music is incredibly important for the world. Yeah. So he, he's written songs for Adele and Beyonce and Taylor Swift and on and on all these incredible people. So he's helping them make wonderful music. He's sharing incredible music through his work. And he also his CBD company is really awesome. And I'm honored to work with them.
1: And what's the name of the CBD company again?
2: mad tasty sparkling water
1: Mad tasty sparkling water and what's a song what's your song that you sing at karaoke oh i don't do karaoke listen i don't either so then my 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 (laughs) adjustment my amendment to that question is if you did do karaoke what song would you sing
2: Ooh, gosh that's tough i actually wrote this down once for a time if i was ever forced and now i have to go look (laughs) because i am the person that We'll go to karaoke, but do anything oh I can to yeah. not have to sing. Yep. Um, and none of these songs that I wrote down even resonate. I don't know. Right. I, I, that's a stumper. Because I really like just thinking about it makes me so uncomfortable.
1: <laughs> I, I understand completely. Have you ever seen the movie Grease 2?
2: I have so yes. I had
1: this question for Jason and I can't remember his song. I can't remember what his song was. No, his song was um a queen song and I was like, that oh, seems yeah. fitting, that yep. seems appropriate. And then mine was Cool Rider from Greece too. <laughs> And he had like zero reaction. So I was like, I feel like no. he has not seen the movie Grease 2. It oh was my like, And I was like, do you not understand this Michelle Pfeiffer realness I'm giving you right now? Yes. Um, oh, my And I gosh. actually, I, I say that because I have actually found it at karaoke. It, it has been in books. I've done it like twice. So you're like, if that's on the list, I will sing. I, and listen, I don't even drink anymore. <laughs> so it's like, I was like, I will do that because I I don't, I don't even need alcohol to sing that. That is, I'm here for it. Um, I admire people like Jason who love karaoke
2: and because I'd rather they take the microphone and I get to watch, <laughs> then uh, why would you force somebody who doesn't want to sing?
1: Well, it's, the thing is, I love to sing, but karaoke for me, well, I used to I used to take singing and being an actor so seriously. So why would I do karaoke? That's not serious enough so like i took myself so seriously that i couldn't do it it's that thing of like you can't take yourself seriously you know so now interesting now i just michelle pfeiffer it up um (laughs) so your last question is waffles or pancakes waffles there you go all right rapid fire well done yeah well where can people find you miss whitney lawrenson
2: it, well, it's, it's easier now at WhitneyLoretson.com and that, that leads to EcoVeganGal.com if you want to dive into that world. That leads, to well, that leads to Wellevator and the podcast. That leads to the other books or the the book projects I do and then anything else I'm working on. So if you go to that website, you can find it all. You can choose your own adventure and my social media is there. So I'm trying to make my website like the hub for... Everything that I'm working on.
1: Well, how do we find you on TikTok then? Since that's TikTok
2: your... is under my my username that I'm claiming from now on, which is Wit Lauritsen because my full oh. name spelled out is too long for Twitter. It's like two characters too long. Wow! It, uh, so it, I had to shorten it to Wit W H I T Lauritsen L A U R I T S E N. I like that. Uh, and I couldn't use Eco Vegan Gal. I was going to have Eco Vegan Gal as well. But I, I signed up for the platform Musical.ly, which transitioned into TikTok, and then I couldn't remember my password, so I'm locked out <laughs> of the Gal account. But it was like the universe saying, no, you said you sure. were done with Gal, sure. so now you got to own at Whit Lauritsen." I just feel bad for anyone who tries to find me through Eco Vegan Gal these days.
1: Hey, I think yeah. if people want to find you, they're going to find you. The name of the book True. is The Vegan Ketogenic Diet. Y'all go out and get it if you're thinking about ketogenic. And I have a feeling we haven't read the last from you. So um, I'm really excited for your future and where you're going with writing books. It's so cool. And um, you were just a delight. Thank you for joining me today.
2: Thank you. This was so fun.
1: Yay! <laughs> Told you, just a gem. a gem. And seriously, if you aren't already, listen to this Might Get Uncomfortable podcast, where Whitney and Jason Robel talk about so many relatable topics in a very expansive and explorative way. Every episode is very insightful. So if you want all that goodness, head on over and subscribe to this Might Get
0: Uncomfortable. Yes. Um, and if you want a free book, <gasps> what can you do? Head over to the Keep On Cooking podcast on Apple Podcasts. Oh,
1: and why? Mm. Because it's still going on, A's. You've got one more week left. You can still have a chance to enter our raffle to win a free cookbook. We have 20 vegan cookbooks to give away,
0: and one of them can be yours. That's right. Just uh, rate, review, and subscribe to the Keep On Cooking on Apple Podcasts, and you are entered to win. Now, let's get to this week's bah, 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 Dustin's Dish. Dustin's Dish. What a dish. Mm. What do you have for us today?
1: Oh, listen. Say, oh. Save your veggie scraps. All of them. What? Save the stems to your cauliflower and your broccoli. What? The little nubbins at the end of your green onions and no. carrots. Everything. Store them in the freezers In freezer. Store them. <laughs>
0: Why yeah. are you like? I don't know. What do you like from Long,
1: Long, Long Island? I don't know, because it was fun. Store them in the freezer. Store them in a freezer-safe <laughs> container, and when you have four cups worth of veggie scraps, put them in a stock pot with water. Uh, fill the water up to come up about even you know, like four or five inches above the uh, vegetables. Add goodies in there like peppercorns, garlic, bay leaves, and bring to a simmer. Uh, let simmer for about an hour until the water has developed a little bit of a color, and Boom! You got some vegetable stock that you uh, made out of just some veggies you had laying around. And really, just toss that stuff in the freezer. It won't be in the way then.
0: Well, 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 look at that. Great. Reduce, reuse, recycle moment. That you could use later. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's amazing.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I know our freezer is full of veggie scraps. It's a little annoying, but look at the good we do this way. Everyone, you're not, you're also, you're not like purchasing and discarding the container,
0: uh, from the soup stock that comes in the store either. So it's a win-win. That is, that really is a win-win. So, um, Thank you so much, for everybody, for listening. Yes, your support. We got like means- a lot of reviews. It's yes, exciting. It's Thanks, so, y'all. So
1: sweet. Your support means everything. And seeing the reviews and pics of you all buying the books from the podcast makes us so happy so happy now start sharing those pictures
0: of the the recipes. Yeah, when you get when to you to ma-
1: when you make some goodies, tag tag us at the vegan Roadie so we can see what you're making.
0: Yeah, yeah, you can find out more um, about keep on cooking at veganrody.com and follow this hunk over here. Oh my at me at the vegan Roadie on Facebook and Instagram. And
1: why not follow this man right over here? You can't what? see us but we're pointing at each other. Mm. My husband, David Rossetti, at drosetti D-R-O-S-S-E-T-T-I on Instagram. Follow him, too. We'll see you next Tuesday. Keep on cooking. And remember, it's nice to be nice. This has been a Muzzy Cat production. <laughs>